Pastor Matt, worship team. They do a great job every week. Amen? Amen. Yeah, let's give it up for those guys. Great job. Appreciate you guys. The ladies are, or many of the ladies, are at the ladies' retreat this morning. And so uh, I know we we had a couple of little things that went wrong this morning and some missing things and uh, discovered that even things that we would normally bring from our home didn't make it here. And I realized what the problem was. The ladies weren't around. <laughs> so all of us guys were walking around in, in the fog just going, hey, what's going on today? Anyway, uh, so again, thank you for uh, those of you who have been praying for the gals. I think there's about 30 of them that are out praying uh, or seeking the Lord, and you've been praying, and I thank you for that. It's great to be together. Amen? Yeah. I mean, this is... Other than last week, which Sunday, last Sunday, we were at the All One community-wide worship service at Alder Creek Middle School. If you were a part of that, what a great day. It was very interesting because it was very cold. It was very cold. And some of you probably arrived there and thought, hey, I'm not even getting out of my car. The heater feels really good in here. I I, I arrived here before 6 o'clock in the morning as we were going to be loading the sound system, and I looked on my little dashboard readout, the LED readout, and it said it was 42 degrees, and I thought, man, we are going to be in trouble with some ladies. <laughs> it's going to be really cold. All the guys were like, hey, that's no problem, but the gals, wow, it was cold. Anyway, what a great time of uh, worship together, and uh, we had, uh, I think there were nine churches that were participating, and what was really unique was that first section of the bleachers where the sun actually was touching it was jam packed, and then it was kind of li- it was kind of littered. I think I think the people that were sitting in the middle over there were the warmest because the body heat was also happening. So, anyway, what a great time! And so this is our first Sunday back together as uh, both services have come together. And so we're glad to have you guys here, and it's just good to be in the house of God. Amen. And inside your bulletin, inside your worship folder, a couple of quick announcements I should make note of. I want to remind all the parents of children that six o'clock tonight we have our kids town theater christmas theater preparation wrapping all the way is the name of the program this year and so i want to invite all the kids to come out tonight at six o'clock we'll have a bible study in here as well at six o'clock and so parents you can come and join us that'd be great we are doing a verse by verse study through the book of revelation this morning we're in revelation chapter 2 verses 8 through 11 this evening we'll be finishing up revelation chapter 2 i think in its entirety so come and be a part tonight as well at six o'clock um, Oregon Youth Convention, some information there. There is an announcement next Saturday that's not included in the bulletin for the men. Men, Men's breakfast kicks back in this month. And so next Saturday, normally we'd have it on the first Saturday, but with the ladies' retreat, uh, we decided we would wait till the second Saturday. So men, next Saturday, 8 o'clock in the morning at Gloria's Pub and Grill, right up behind us, we'll have a buffet breakfast. The Apostle Paul said, I buffet my body daily. <laughs> Don't quote me on that. <laughs> yeah, don't quote me on that, okay? Anyway, it's a great time of fellowship. We'll encourage one another. We'll spend time in prayer, and we'll spend time in the Word of God, and we just get a fellowship around some food. So I invite you to be a part of that. Uh, next Sunday, make a note. Even though officially Oktoberfest is over today, hey, we're going to extend Oktoberfest one more week. And next Sunday, immediately after service, we're having sausages, root beer, and some pizza. Or no, not pizza. <laughs> Pretzels. <laughs> it began with the letter P, right? Uh, well, pizza sounds pretty good, too. But anyway, uh, sausage, someone say 
Hallelujah. And, uh, and then root beer and some pretzels. It'll be a great time. It's immediately following the service. So we're just going to have some fellowship. If the weather is right, we're going to be out in the courtyard here. There's picnic tables out there. We'll have some spaces for folks on the inside as well. If the weather is adverse and it's rainy, why we'll just kind of push chairs off to the side, set some tables up and round you all up. I think there's a fee associated with it. It's like four or five dollars for a sausage and, uh, we'll make it work for you. You make it, it'd be great. Uh, Harvest party for the kids on the 31st at the Salmon's house. There'll be maps and details for the kids and parents. And then there's an activity for our seniors on the 31st as well. It's a movie night. And you can see also we have an opportunity to serve. And I cannot emphasize how important this outreach is to us. We have outreaches each month on the streets of Portland where we go down and we feed the homeless. We have outreaches on a monthly basis Actually, every Thursday night when we're under the Burnside Bridge with the Night Strike Group in Bridgetown, many here are serving in that capacity, or several are. We would love to see more people come out. Darren, will you just wave your hand in the back there? If you would like to be a part of the Night Strike, you can see Darren McCarthy. He's back in the back in the red shirt. If you'd like to be involved in the downtown outreaches on Saturday, Charlie and Linda Schaefer are sitting right here in the front. Please be involved. We now are serving once a month a warm meal at Wichita, Wichita Family Support Center, right off of King Road and 59th. They, are, they have a movie night there uh, once a month, and at the movie night they have as many as 250 people that will come, families, children, and we're extending and wanting to have a dinner the following week, and so we are having that dinner every third Friday night at Wichita. There's room for you to be involved, and we want to simply love on our, our community, and those who are in need, we want to be a blessing to. So there's opportunity to bless, and here's the beauty. We're renting the space. We rent the space as the body of Christ, Hillside Christian Fellowship. Therefore, they will allow us the opportunity to share the love of God through Jesus Christ. So we get to share the gospel with folks who need and really just want to be loved on. And so will you be a part, minimally, will you pray? And so all of those opportunities, where's Rhonda? Rhonda, I saw you earlier. Where are you? There she is. Rhonda, raise your hand. If you want information on the dinner, the monthly dinner that we are doing, Rhonda's sitting right here in the front, and uh, she'll get you all that detail. Amen. All right. You guys ready to dive into the Word of God this morning? Amen. That was pretty puny. Are you guys ready to dive into the Word of God this morning? Amen. Amen. I saw a comic strip one time where uh, the pastor was opening up the Word of God and it panned the congregation and the congregation was leaning forward. They were on the edge of their seats. They had their Bibles and their eyes were like this. And the, and the pastor's looking right at you and he says, pinch me. <laughs> and so I'm thankful that that's how you always are, eager to be diving into the Word of God. Amen. Uh, as we approach this portion of scripture this morning we are in revelation chapter 2 these are seven letters to seven churches of asia minor and i've mentioned this the last few weeks that we have gathered together there are four approaches that we have when we look at these seven letters the first is these letters were written by the apostle john on the island of patmos he was given a vision by Jesus Christ, the resurrected Jesus Christ, glorified Jesus Christ, who literally showed up on the island of Patmos 
physically had contact with and communicated with John. And John was instructed to write the things which he had seen, the things that are, and the things that would shortly take place. Or the things that would take place after this. And so John, he wrote the things which he had seen. He saw the resurrected Christ. That's Revelation chapter 1. The things which are these seven letters written to seven churches. And the first application in relationship to these seven letters is, number one, they were written to a very particular church. Very particularly, these churches existed in that day, and there were some things that were going on that Jesus was going to affirm them in. He was going to also bring some correction in. He was going to exhort them and bless them, if you will. So the first application would be, there was it written to a particular church. The second is, panoramically, they were written to all churches. Every church that identifies itself as the body of Christ across that first century, certainly, as well as into the 21st century. We are the body of Christ that meets at Hillside. These letters apply to us in their totality, all seven of them. Those things that are included in there, Jesus is saying to us as a body, very specifically. Then the next is personally. Each of these seven letters is saying something personally to me and personally to you. If your faith is in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sin, you're born again. He's talking to us, and he has something very specific to say to us. And so, in, in the totality of the scriptures, every chapter, every verse is critical. But I would say very specifically, in these last days, these two chapters are very, very important for every one of us individually and all of us collectively. And then finally, I believe that they are also prophetic. I believe that they identify For John on the island of Patmos, it was prophetic in relationship to a period of time known as the church or the epics of church history that were future for him. But here we are now in the 21st century, and we're looking back, and much of what is included in these two chapters is church history that has already passed. It's our past. But we are currently living in the last of the seven epics of church history. And so today when we look at this portion in chapter 2... Verses 8 through 11, some four verses. I I want us to be reminded that there is something to be said about us and the body of Christ today. Now this past week on Thursday, we had a tragedy in our state. And in these United States, a horrific event that occurred down at Umqua Community College. Nine people were martyred They were asked in relationship to their faith in Jesus Christ. And with affirmation in Jesus Christ, they were shot and their lives were taken from them. And I mention that because I want to pray one more time. Pastor Dennis prayed. We prayed for them as well this morning. And we want to continue to pray for the families. They need the comfort of the Lord. I'm thankful that Matthew read from Isaiah chapter 61. He binds up the brokenhearted. And there's broken hearts. The Bible tells us that when one member of the body of Christ suffers, the whole body suffers. And certainly we have felt 
a certain amount of pain, but nowhere to the measure that family members have experienced this week. I'm thankful that the Word of God reminds us we do not mourn like those who have no hope. The beauty is for every believer who goes on to be with the Lord, no matter how they transition from this life to the next, we who remain and are alive, we have the hope we will see our loved ones again. We'll see them again. And that is encouraging. And yet, for family members, the sorrow, the pain, and the hurt that they are experiencing even now, there's only one who can minister comfort. And he is the God of all comfort. He is the Prince of Peace. He is Almighty God. Will you pray with me for those families who have lost loved ones? Father, this morning, again, we identify and, Lord, we, we worship you. You declared, in this life we will face persecution. As we enter into the kingdom of heaven, we will come with many tribulations. The book of Acts reminds us. As the Apostle Paul wrote to the church that was meeting in Ephesus and Timothy, that pastor there, he said, many persecutions, many tribulations, and many hardships. And Father, even knowing these things, it is so difficult to prepare in any measure for family members who have been martyred for their faith in Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, for those who stood who stood and said, I will be accounted as a follower of Christ. God, we, we look and we say thank you for their lives. Lord, may their lives not be in vain. We pray revival in our state as a result. Where persecution hits, revival breaks out. Lord, may the family members, moms, Dads, brothers, sisters, sons, daughters, grandmothers, grandparents, family members, extended friends, the body of Christ and the community. Lord, will you bless, will you comfort the God of all comfort. May you bring peace in hearts. Lord, may you do that work that only you can do. God, we lift them to you, our brothers and sisters, and ask God blessing in the name of Jesus. And we ask all these things for your glory and for your namesake, God. Help in Jesus' name. And everyone said a strong amen. 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 I reference that because this morning we're in a section of Scripture where Jesus is addressing a church... Smyrna, Smyrna, its name comes from myrrh. In fact, Smyrna was a producer of myrrh. And we recognize that myrrh is a fragrance. Most often in that day, it was used for embalming bodies. We see in the Gospels, Nicodemus brought as many as 50 pounds of myrrh when he asked for the body of Christ. And they were going to prepare for burial. And so myrrh is this expensive perfume or burial embalming material. And it is also used for perfume. Uh, Its fragrance is given 
when its seed is crushed. And Jesus Christ himself, and we'll read the portion of Scripture in a moment, Jesus Christ is addressing a church. And when I mentioned that we also look at the application prophetically, recognize that this is an epic of church history that really extends from about 100 A.D. to about 325 A.D. A time where the church was really in its initial stages of growth. But there was persecution under ten emperors, actually beginning with uh, Nero in 64 A.D., but extending all the way up to 312 A.D., Diocletian. And during those reigns of those emperors, there were ten very specific emperors that there was persecution like no other until modern day. In fact, it is estimated that as many as five million Christians in a period that lasted about 212 to 225 years, five million Christians were martyred for their faith in Jesus Christ. When you go to seminary or when you go to Bible college, they encourage those who are on a pastoral track. When you prepare a message and when you're preparing to teach, you don't want to necessarily preach the woes of being a follower of Christ. And yet, the Word of God reminds us that we will face persecution. We will face tribulation. We will face trouble. And as a pastor in this community, as your pastor, I feel like if I am not preparing all of us for the potential persecutions that are coming on the church, I would not be doing my job. And I also believe that the text... We want to stay true to the text. And Jesus Christ himself was preparing the church for persecution. We see persecution across the globe. We've seen little persecution here in America. I believe the days are coming where those whose faith is in Jesus Christ, the persecution will continue to increase and the slope with which it increases is going to become steeper and steeper. In other words, the persecution is going to become more and more. That being said, in your Bibles, Revelation chapter 2, verses 8 through 11, I appreciate that our Savior has encouraging words for us as well. And He will give us how we are to live with the knowledge of persecution and with the consequences associated with persecution. Follow along with me. Revelation chapter 2, verse 8. And to the angel of the church of Smyrna write, These things says the first and the last, who was dead and came to life. Will you maybe underline that in your Bible? Who was dead and came to life? Here's a reminder for every one of us. And this, I believe, is right from the heart of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. He's reminding us, every one of us, that death is not the end. He has conquered death. And therefore, all whose faith is in him will also conquer death. We are the overcomers. And we will spend eternity with God in heaven because of Jesus Christ. And so that's an encouragement. Verse 9, I know your works, tribulation and poverty, but you are rich. 
And I know the blasphemy of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw you or throw some of you into prison, that you may be tested and you will have tribulation ten days. Be faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. Father, in these next few moments, as we look into the perfect law of liberty, the Word of God, Lord, may our hearts be challenged. And God, may we be encouraged. And may we be ready for every good work, God, that you have prepared in advance for us. We ask these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said a strong amen. 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 This morning is communion, and so following the message, we'll be coming to the communion table. And so with that in mind, I would invite you, as the Word of God is shared, as as I shared even just the application of the Word of God, I would ask that you would be taking spiritual stock of your own heart. Your own heart. You might be sitting next to a loved one, and you might have a tendency to think, oh, they needed to hear this. You ever been there before? (laughs) We think, oh man, they need to hear this. Well, I'm asking you today, will you take spiritual stock of where you are with the Lord? And as we come to the communion table in just a little while, will you be prepared to let the Lord bring change in our lives? Let the Lord bring change in our lives. Okay. Smyrna, the persecuted church. We uh, read this portion of Scripture And a reminder that the time period, again, is after the apostolic age, if you will. John, on the island of Patmos, was there all the way up to 96 A.D. John had appointed the bishop, if you will, over Smyrna, one of his own disciples, a man by the name of Polycarp. Perhaps you've heard the name Polycarp before. Polycarp was a young man when he was appointed, and he was a faithful man. He served the Lord with his whole heart. Rich in faith, rich in love. A love for the body of Christ. It is said under the persecutions, and the text tells us that This particular church was to be prepared as they, the devil, was about to take some of them and cast them into prison and they would face tribulation and trial ten days. Many theologians believe that those ten days of trials would be representative of those ten emperors during that 225 year period. Others would say it really refers to the last ten years of the last of the emperors, Diocletian, who reigned as emperor for ten years, and he was really one of the worst persecutors of the body of Christ. But I, we'll we'll talk more in detail about that tonight, so come at six o'clock, but when I think about this particular church being in the midst of that time period of great persecution, in the city of Smyrna, Polycarp was martyred the bishop of that church. We have historical record of his martyrdom. It would be worth your time 
to a Google search, Polycarp's martyrdom, and read the detail. The detail is fascinating. This man was 86 years old, and when they finally came to the house wherewith he was residing, he was upstairs in a bedroom, and the soldiers came in, and they came in because at the preceding house that he had just left hours earlier, when they couldn't get information where Polycarp was, they took two young men and tortured them until information was given where Polycarp was. So they brought the one young man who gave word where he was, and they entered into the house that was next door, Polycarp laying on a bed upstairs. He had the opportunity to escape, and he was urged even to do so. There's still a way out for you. And he said, the Lord's will be done. You see, within the preceding five days, God had given him a dream. And in that dream, his head was laying on his pillow, and his pillow burst into flames. He woke up from the dream, and he knew immediately the Spirit of God bore witness that he would give his life as a martyr by being burned alive at the stake. The history that we have, I'd like to read to you a portion of it. As Polycarp was being taken into the arena, a voice came to him from heaven, Be strong, Polycarp, and play the man. No one saw who had spoken, but our brothers who were there heard the voice also. When the crowd heard that Polycarp had been captured, there was an uproar. One of our other brothers, prominent in the church in Smyrna, was, gave his life the preceding day. In the Roman Empire, they called atheists those who did not make declaration that Caesar was Lord. And this brother and disciple of Polycarp who had given his life, it's interesting to note that this man, when he was taken into the arena, when the beasts came out, he charged the beast full of faith and ready to martyr his life for his Savior. I thought, wow, what grand courage that God would instill in this man. And so Polycarp now... And, and when that disciple was killed, he said, they said, the crowd roared and said, bring on the, ace, the atheists, bring on the atheists, those who will not declare Caesar is Lord, bring on the atheists, they declared. And then they said in unison, get Polycarp, get him. And so when the crowd heard that Polycarp had been captured, there was an uproar. The proconsul asked him whether he was Polycarp. On hearing that he was, he tried to persuade him to apostatize, saying, Have respect for your old age. Swear by the fortune of Caesar. Repent and say, Down with the atheists. Polycarp looked grimly at the wicked heathen multitude in the stadium, and gesturing towards them, he said, He said these words, 86 years I have served him, and he has done me no wrong. How can I blaspheme my king and my savior? The proconsul said, I have animals here. I will, throw them, I will throw you to them if you do not repent. He said, call them. 
It is unthinkable for me to repent from what is good to turn to that which is evil. I will be glad, though to be charged or changed from evil to righteousness. The proconsul said, If you then despise the animals, I will have you burned. Polycarp responded, You threaten me with fire which burns for an hour and is then extinguished. But you know nothing of the fire of the coming judgment and eternal punishment reserved for the ungodly. Why are you waiting? Bring on the flames. It goes on to say that even the Jews and all of the Greeks gathered wood for the fire. And they heaped up the wood and they were about to nail Polycarp to the stake when he said, you won't need nails. For the one who will deliver me from the pain of the flame is able to keep me peaceful in the midst of the flame. So they bound his hands behind his back and set him amidst the pole, amidst the pile of wood, and they lit the fire. And the people that saw it that day rejoiced that they were there to see it, for they saw a miracle on that day. It is said that the flames that engulfed him raged mightily, but like a sail who's expanded by catching the wind, so the flames were about him. And his flesh did not burn like flesh would normally burn. Rather, it simply glowed like bronze in the midst of a furnace realizing that they could not burn him. A soldier was mandated to pierce him with a spear. And upon piercing him with a spear, the volume of blood that flowed quenched even the fire. The people saw a great miracle and God did something. But here's the reality. The head of the church in Smyrna, facing tremendous persecution was martyred that day for his Savior. They were reminded again in Scripture of all of the things that Jesus had done. And Polycarp's, even his arrest, was so similar to what had transpired with even Christ that the Roman soldiers were told not to give the body to Poly, of Polycarp to the people to be buried for they were even fearful of what might happen would there be even another resurrection. And so, persecution. The church of Jesus Christ from the onset of 33 AD with our leader, Jesus, has faced tremendous persecution. Again, for those first 320 or 225 years from 100 all the way up to 325 AD, Some 5 million estimated. That number could be very low. It might be slightly exaggerated, but nevertheless, many people gave their lives for Christ. That challenges me. That challenges me. Am I living for the Lord? I read the book of Hebrews in the 11th chapter, in the faith chapter, and so many who gave their lives for the Lord and for faith in Jesus Christ. Makes me wonder, am I doing all I can do for the kingdom of God? Am I doing and making a stand for Jesus Christ in every area of my life, in every arena of my life, everywhere I go? 
Do people know that you and I are followers of Jesus? Do we find ourselves in our week in and week out, our 168 hours that each of us has this coming week? How will we spend our time? What is important? What is important? Have you noticed how much energy we put in to so many things that seemingly build our kingdom when there's something that is tremendously more important? People need Jesus. People need Jesus. People need Jesus. And God is calling you and I to be his ambassadors. All too often, the church of Jesus Christ spends time working on its own reputation. I know I do. I know I do. I work on my reputation. When I was a football coach, I wanted to be known as a good football coach. I wanted to be known as one who was a great football player back in the day when the dinosaurs roamed the land. But I, I found myself, it was, it was something that I, I wanted people to know what I once was. As somehow my reputation would somehow impact their life. Listen, our reputation won't impact people. But the reputation of Jesus Christ will. It's time that the church gets things in proper perspective and priority. Priority. The church is facing persecution today in an unimaginable volume. It is said that in the last 50 years, there have been more martyred for faith in Jesus Christ than the totality of all of the years of the church from 33 AD to 1960. More martyred. And the body of Christ so often is deafened to the reality of our brothers and sisters who are giving their lives for Jesus Christ. And we're over here in America playing with our toys. Spending countless hours on social media sensationalizing life somehow. We have a mission. We have a mission by Jesus Christ to go into all the world and to teach the gospel, to preach the gospel. It's about people. It's about people. And it's high time The body of Christ wakes up. It's high time. China last year, in one city alone in China, 231 of our brothers and sisters' churches were ransacked by the government, utterly destroyed or partially destroyed. In one city alone, 231 crosses dropped in the street, buildings raised to the ground. Our brothers and sisters, persecution. In Laos, probably pronouncing that wrong, but you know where I'm talking about, Laos, or Laos. Five Christian leaders in Laos 
were charged with medical malpractice after praying for a sick woman who later died. The Christians were ordered to serve nine months in prison and pay a fine for causing the individual's death. The five are local church leaders in a specific providence. They're in jail presently. They were found guilty treating a person without an official medical license, causing her to die. (laughs) It's amazing. This woman had given her heart to Jesus a week earlier and came to these women, church leaders, and asked for prayer. And they prayed. And because she died later, the government didn't even ascertain what the cause of death was. They just identified these Christians. They don't have a right. And they were persecuted. And to this day, they're still in jail. They're in jail right now. Father, we just pray right now for these five women and the body of Christ right there in Laos. And we just ask God that you would help and that you would bless him in Jesus' name. Libya. Following the martyrdom of Coptic Christians, men by the Libyan Islamic State, militants in February of 2015, 21 were martyred, beheaded right on... I think you can even see some of the video on YouTube. I wouldn't recommend it. It says, initially it was believed that all the men killed uh, were killed for their faith in Christ. But there was one man there who was from the nation of Chad. They thought they were all Egyptians, but one was from the nation of Chad. And he was not a believer in Christ. But as he saw one by one, these men who said yes as to being a follower of Christ and no, they would not renounce him. And as they were beheaded... It got to him. And the question was asked of him, Are you a Christian? And his words were this, Their God is my God. And they took his life. He was born again on his knees. And with moments, he gave his heart and his life for faith in Jesus Christ. In India, a man recently taken from his wife, Because all he did was go out and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's an ordinary guy like you and I. Ordinary man. But his mission in life was to see his city saved for Jesus. And so he would go out and he would tell people about Jesus. And many were being converted. Many. And so the officials came and took him one day. Knocked on the door. It was about 10 o'clock at night. And they took him... And his wife pleaded with the officials and they said they wouldn't kill him to come out into the jungle at 8 o'clock in the morning. So they got up in the morning and the wife of 27 years old and the mother of the man and the sister came out into the jungle. And there he was tied to a tree and they were beating him with bamboo sticks. It said that he was beat so hard that his flesh would no longer hang on the bones. And then they, in front of his wife and in front of his mother and his sister... They pierced him, stabbed him, and he gave his life for his faith in Jesus Christ. You say, Pastor Dave, why, why, would, you, why would you tell us all of these things? Why would you, uh, if, uh, are we going to a memorial service this morning in church? I thought I was going to be an upbeat service and we were all going to celebrate. And we do celebrate. But there is a very reality that you and I need to face on a daily basis. 
Our brothers and sisters are suffering around the world. And when one brother or sister suffers, the body of Christ suffers. And we cannot turn a closed eye because persecution is coming our way. And I have more and more, I could tell you the story, and I will tell you the story of two young ladies who received. I want, I want every mom and dad to hear this. Two young girls, young girls, received booklets in their language for the very first time that shared the gospel story in a biblical allegory, metaphor, little story, and then at the last page demonstrated that this is what God did for them through, their, through God's son, Jesus. And these two girls gave their hearts to Jesus in Pakistan. There was a church that was meeting in Pakistan, over 200 people in the congregation, and these two girls started attending church there. Weeks after they gave their hearts to the Lord, the worst bombing by an Islamic radical was in that church. 130 people were martyred on that morning. And those two little girls were amongst the deceased. I have a picture of those two girls on my computer to remind me what we're about. What we're about. It's not about building our kingdom. It's about building His kingdom. It's His kingdom. And if we're spinning our wheels, spending our hours, and spending our time for our own kingdoms, this is where I'm asking you to look inwardly and to ask yourself, am I about the kingdom of God? Or am I about my own stuff? Because folks, our Savior Jesus, He's coming back. He's coming back. And we want to be ready for Him. And we want as many others to be ready to meet Him as well. We have a work to do. So, how do you and I, knowing that Paul writing to Timothy says, you, yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. All who desire to live godly will suffer persecution. And Acts reminds us, we must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. Knowing this. Tribulation. (laughs) Knowing this. What manner of man ought we to be in our holy conduct and in our living? What manner of man? And I believe the text reveals a couple of things, and it's quick and it's simple. It really is. Number one, be fearless. Be fearless. Here's the deal. They can destroy the body, but they cannot destroy the soul and the spirit. To be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. We fear nothing. Everyone sitting in this room, everyone standing in this room, a day is coming. We have an appointment, the Bible tells us. In Hebrews chapter 9, I believe it's verse 27, that we have an appointment. It is appointed for man to die once, then face judgment. Listen, there's an appointment that God is aware of that you and I are not. And that is an appointment that none of us will be late and none of us will be early. It is. 
God knows the end from the beginning. He knows. So we all have that appointment. Knowing that, that our lives are in His hand, we fear nothing. And if you're spending your days being fearful, fear not. Fear not. Whose hands would you rather be in? All states? I don't think so. I want to be God's everlasting arms that are beneath us. It's His arms that I want to be in. Jesus, in the grip of Jesus. Hallelujah. None, Father, that you have given me have I lost. We're right in the grip of the Lord. I said this recently. Some of us feel like in our faith we're just hanging on. I'm just hanging on. You remember the poster in the 80s, maybe the 70s, the little kitten hanging on to the end of the rope, and it's got one of its little claws stuck in the fray of that rope, and he's, hang in there, baby. I got news for you. That does not represent us. Jesus has got us. Be fearless in the Lord. I hope that encourages you. That fires me up. <laughs> Listen, that makes us all supermen and superwomen. No weapon formed against us shall prosper. Hallelujah. Now, I'm not encouraging you to walk out and play in traffic, but <laughs> thou shalt not tempt the Lord, but nothing can happen to us. We're in God's hands. Amen? So, be fearless. Secondly, look at, and the scripture says in verse 10 of chapter 2, it says, do not fear. And he goes on to say any of those things. But do not fear. Listen, perfect love casts out all fear. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and of a sound mind. Right? Look at, look at that, the tail end of verse 10. It says, be faithful. So be fearless, be faithful. Be faithful. Unto death. You and I may never face physical death by martyrdom. But can I suggest to you that there is a death that may be actually more difficult than martyrdom. Luke reminds us, I believe it's in Luke chapter 9, he says these words, If you will be my disciple, Jesus talking, if you will be my disciple, I think never did a small word like if ever mean so much. If you will be a disciple of mine, it's not talking about being born again. It's talking about being a disciple of Jesus. If you will be a disciple then we must die daily, take up our cross, and follow him. I think dying to the self-life may be more difficult on a daily basis. And so my challenge to all of us is to be faithful, to be faithful, to be faithful. So be fearless and be faithful. And finally... You won't see this written in the text, 
But it is certainly true about the body of Christ in this time period from 100 to 325 A.D. Be fruitful. Be fruitful. They were unashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul in that first century said, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation to all who believe. It's the power of God. I am not ashamed. He said to Timothy and to the body of Christ in Ephesus, preach the word. That's everybody. That's all of us. He said, do the work of an evangelist to be fruitful. People say, well, I am being fruitful. Hallelujah. And if you are, God bless you. So many of us reflect that fruit as being the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's not the fruit that Jesus is talking about when he says a tree will bear much fruit. He's talking about a tree bearing fruit after its own kind. I asked the question a couple months ago, what's the fruit of an apple tree? And uh, the instant picture that comes into our mind is an, uh, is an apple. It's an apple. It's the fruit of an apple tree. But that's not really. It's a trick question. The fruit of an apple tree is another apple-bearing tree. Does that make sense? And that's the kind of fruit you and I are to be. We're to be reproducing ourselves as born-again believers that will be going out and making more born-again believers through the power of the Spirit of God. We're to be fruitful, to be bringing the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, to be seed planters, to be seed water... That's watering. I don't know how that was watering. (laughs) But seed waterers... And reapers, all of us, we got to be a part. It's, it's, it's not like when, when, when the Word of God says the Great Commission, it's not the Great Suggestion. It's not. It's a commission. If we're, if we're part of the body of Christ, we've been commissioned. We've been commissioned. Are we fulfilling our commission by our Commander-in-Chief, Jesus Christ? Does that make sense? Persecuted church. So the question for each of us today is, how am I doing? How am I doing? Am I fearless? Am I faithful? Am I fruitful? You know. This is not like, well, I have to turn in a report card on myself and Pastor Dave's really going to know what's going on in my life. It's not. It's between you and your Savior. And that's the beauty. We get to do it together, but really is it's our heart between us and the Savior. Because at some point in time in the future, we're all going to stand before the Lord. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we are going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. You say, whoa, 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 whoa. what do you mean the judgment seat? I thought my sin was already judged in Christ. It was, Hallelujah. This is the judgment of reward. Reward. It's like, it's called the Bema Seat. The Bema Seat is in the, in, the Ro- in the Greek and Roman games, the Bema Seat was the platform, you know, where we, we see in the Olympics, the gold, the silver, and the bronze. They receive a crown. They get a little, that little crown they put around their head. The olive branches, if you will. That's what the Bema Seat is. We're going to stand before the judge and he's going to, he's going to bring out 
our metals, so to speak. And the Bible says our lives will be tried by fire. The good, the bad, and the ugly. And the Bible tells us that which is of wood, hay, and stubble will be consumed. That's what we do in the flesh. It's the work we do in the flesh. A couple weeks ago when I talked about the sons of the prophets and the one who lost the axe head, he could have gone around just beating the trees with the axe handle because the wood is representative of the works that we do in the flesh. Where do we get that from? Because that which is consumed on the altar of our lives, the wood will be consumed. It's the work of the flesh. But that which remains, precious stone, gold, and silver, if you will, that will be our offering to the Lord. The Bible tells us that some people's lives will be tried by fire and there'll be nothing left. They themselves will enter into the kingdom of heaven as one escaping through the flames. I'm pretty sure no one here wants their altar to be empty. Right? So it's between us and the Lord. Lord, I want to do this for you. And so we're going to come to the communion table. In fact, I'm going to invite those who are going to serve us this morning to come and prepare to serve us. And this morning when we come to the communion table, two thoughts associated with our communion table. Number one, we serve an open communion. If your faith is in the Lord Jesus Christ, we invite you to participate in communion. Secondly, I would ask that you would hold the emblems. In a few moments, we'll release to the center. We'll come forward. We'll receive these, and we'll make our way back. Will you hold them so that in a moment when we pray, we can receive them together? And in the time that you're coming forward, in the time that you're receiving, in the time that you're making your way back, in the time that you're sitting, will you think about and just communicate with your Savior? Will you just talk to your Savior? Faithfulness. How are you doing in that fear department? How are you doing in that faithfulness? And how are you doing in that fruitful area? And if there's some things that maybe you'd want to make some changes, maybe there's some things in your life where you say, you know what, Lord, that really isn't glorifying you. I've kind of been doing my own deal there. That's great. We can just tell the Lord. We can just tell him, Lord, I'm sorry I did that. I'm sorry I'd do that. Will you help me not do that? Will you help me to live every moment of every day for you? Have you discovered that's not very easy? I know I have. I, I talk to the Lord a lot. Oh, Lord, help this poor old man. Well, middle-aged man, I guess. God's there because he loves us and he wants to help us. He's able to help us in our time of need. He loves us and he's ready. I'm going to invite you to stand with me this morning. And will you make your way to the center aisles here and just come on down and we'll be receiving these emblems. And uh, as the worship team is playing, will you just ask yourself those questions? Come on down. Come on down. No hesitation.